Welcome to another episode of the Shredder Show. So pleasure today to have uh, one of our elite coaches at CJ Coaching, Mr. Johnny Irons, who's looking very tanned in Portugal at the moment. So thank, thank you very much for jumping on, Johnny. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. So Johnny uh, is one of our coaches who absolutely crushes it with our clients all over the world. And he, uh, me and him have trained together a few times. Actually, never in the UK, interestingly. I was just thinking about that. So we've trained in... Ah, no, we're, yeah, we're international. Yeah. Inter- international men of mystery. Uh, yeah. So trained in Marbella and in Dubai, but never in the UK, which is weird. One day, if yeah. Boris will let me back, then yeah. maybe we'll do a session in England. If <laughs> ever allowed out of the country again, which is looking unlikely. Yeah. Um, so today what we're going to discuss is being lean for life and talking about how you can have essentially everything you want. So being healthy, fit, and also being f- like flexible, sustainable with the process. We're going to talk through some tips and tricks and how we really go about this with ourselves and also our clients. One thing I have to say, Johnny, you're pretty good at doing is, is documenting some of the food choices you make on social media. Because some of them are a little bit different than some of the ones. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really important for people to see that. Like people see figures in the fitness industry and assume they just live off chicken and rice, broccoli, you know, the, the stereotypical bodybuilder foods. But I don't live my life like that. I genuinely eat everything that I put up on my story. Um, I'm quite open that I'm very, very flexible. That's not to say I'm not eating some chicken and rice meals, of course. Um, but there's definitely scope. And I think more scope than people realize to eat a little bit outside the box. So I like to try and show that. 100%. What would be some examples of some of those meals for uh, any listeners at home? Uh, so just yesterday, I polished off a box of Jaffa cakes or a very similar equivalent um, but to me I see those foods as and, and I reference this on my story they're, they're very trackable items so each of those Jaffa cakes is 10 grams of carbs and one gram of fat so it's very easy for me to build that within my caloric intake target within my carb target uh, so Jaffa cakes cereal bars I'm sorry, a lot of. They're probably my two. Dark, dark chocolate yogurt. I dark see. chocolate, everyday dark chocolate. It's good for you. Yeah, so I have dark chocolate every single morning, just about with a with a protein drink. The way I use the chocolate is actually as a means of banking some carbohydrates for later in the day. So that's often something I'll implement with clients. I think it's very rare for people to overconsume their calories in the early parts of the day. Most people are busier, less hungry. And I think it makes every sense to kind of budget some calories for later in the day. So by starting the day with a protein and fat breakfast is what I tend to do. It frees me up to eat more carbs, more fun carbs later on in the day when I've actually got a chance to enjoy them. So yeah, dark chocolate in the morning for me, just about every morning. 100%. That's something I talk about a lot and I like to call it like, the danger hour because the reality is you're not gonna fuck your diet up at seven o'clock in the morning like exactly yeah I, I no one ever binged that. no one ever binged on anything at 7 a.m it just doesn't happen no. and it's true though, you know, it? yeah it's true and so for, at the minute for example you've got the european championships going on the football so lots of people want to sit down at seven eight nine o'clock watch the football with a snack so if you've been a little bit savvy in the early part of your day you've got room for, I don't know, some nachos, some Popcorn. a beer maybe, you know, you know, whatever it might be, you've got more room. Whereas if you, you know, spent your budget early in the day, so I, I reference budget a lot when it comes to calories. So if you've spent your budget early in the day, the rest of the day is not going to be so much fun. So 
no. Yeah, it's going to be poverty rations the rest of the day, which is exactly which yeah. is never ideal. What, what, what would you say is the biggest mistake you see from most of the clients we have coming to you out of interest? I think one mistake is trying to be too perfect, Great. trying to be too rigid, trying to live like a bodybuilder and not fully understanding that at the end of the day, body composition so most of the clients that, that we work with you know are looking to improve their their body composition their their fitness their health their wellness body composition comes down to to numbers a lot and in trying to be too restrictive and too perfect in your food choices they focus more on that than actually on the the numerical intake so i'm not saying just the junk i, I of course advocate nutrient-dense foods but don't eliminate the fun stuff. Keep some of that in. Keep your diet interesting so that it's then sustainable. Whereas if you're, if you're too restrictive, especially coming off of being a, a very, in inverted commas, normal person, and then suddenly you cut out all the nice stuff, how long are you realistically going to last? Not very long. So I think it's trying to be too perfect, too restrictive is a big mistake. 100%. You heard it from Johnny uh, Jaff Cake Irons. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they want to. If Milka want to send any Jaffers my way, are they Milka Jaffa cakes? Are they the ones you? Got? They're Milka Jaffa cakes. The latest, the latest trend. Yeah, that's uh, pretty sick. Uh, very good. Come in two flavors. I'm an orange guy. <laughs> you sound like a salesman. Um, but I think that's a prime example though that people, and that's like the same thing we get often give clients like cereal like after training and things like that. And it's like people need mm-hmm. to understand that. If, like Charlotte, my wife's dad said to me, other like you've got cocoa pops in the cupboard, you eat that, they're not healthy. I was like, so I said to him, I was like, define healthy. And he was like, uh, I was like, exactly. So it's basically just rice with cocoa powder on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then most, if you think most people, they are used to eating cereal and then they have this assumption that they suddenly have to eat eggs and toast and have sourdough toast and avocado, you know, so they go from one extreme to the other. So what we try and advocate is that you have, a mixture of both some of the fun stuff and some of the slightly more boring but to be honest no food has to be boring if you make a little bit of effort uh, I, I believe it's a combination for sure 100 I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that i think um that's one of the big things that i really try and focus on we really try and focus on is obviously educating people because i think people are shit scared and terrified of um certain foods and even like particularly I think car anything carbs wise people have got this paranoia that carbs are going to make them fat and it's like yeah carbs don't make you fat too many calories make you fat and that's just the fact of it yeah and and they are very very different i mean i i say to mine you can eat anything you like except a pizza hut buffet you know most foods you can fit within a uh, let's talk about uh, specifically a fat loss phase you can fit just about any food into a fat loss phase if you really want to eat a McDonald's quarter pounder with cheese, one of my favorites, you can build that in. Yeah, you might have to juggle things around and sacrifice some food elsewhere, but you would be able to fit that in if you wanted to or if the situation permitted. You know, maybe you've got children and you've ended up a long day at the zoo and then suddenly you're at McDonald's. If you're a little bit savvy, you can build anything in within reason. Yeah, it's one of those things I said to one of my clients today, he was like, oh, at the weekend, I want to have a free meal. And then on Sundays, I want to go out for a, a Sunday roast. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So if you want to go out for dinner Saturday and you want to go out for food on Sunday, you can do both. However, one of those meals, I suggest you try and um, 
damage control. So take carbohydrates mm-hmm. from another meal and then have those in that meal. So for example, if you think roughly you're going to have 100 grams of carbohydrates at a, at a roast dinner, for example, then try and pull 100 grams of carbohydrates from other deal, meals in the rest of your day and then it will balance out quite close enough. And again, close enough isn't perfect, but we're not really seeking perfection. What we're seeking is consistency and sustainability. Yeah, which comes back to your pretty much your first question, biggest mistake. And I think it's people trying to be too perfect. You know, it, we don't live in a perfect world. So just be better than you were before. And that in itself is progress. And then progress breeds progress and you will get closer to perfect. You'll never achieve it. There's no such thing. Um, or certainly not in this endeavor anyway. So No, I don't think it's perfect perfection with anything because perfection is a a moving yardstick and the closer you get to it the further the stick gets away almost you're chasing yeah you'll, you'll never catch sunset. it up. yeah you're trying to chase the sunset yeah. like it's impossible and i think the reality basically is, how you live your life <laughs> yeah yeah and i think like the reality is people who try and chase that sunset will always end up unfulfilled and happy end up giving up or whatever it is they're trying to do because it just can't be done yep they're setting the bar far too high um small steps to the moon it's an old adage but it, it's really really true take small steps towards your goals and they they add up um yeah 100% from a, a training perspective so one of the, I would say your superpowers as a trainer is Johnny is you're very good obviously you do a lot of one-to-one PT in person you're very you've got a uh, life experience in terms of training people <laughs> so you've been in the game right. a while and, yeah um you're very good in terms from a mechanics point of view and understanding how people should be lifting shouldn't be lifting so mm-hmm. to spin us on the head, what would you say is the, the worst thing you see most people doing? Butchering a plethora of exercises, which uh, is something that I, I, I've never really understood, if I'm honest. I, I don't understand, and I try and convey this to everyone I help. If you perform an exercise incorrectly with poor form, however you want to put it, the return on your investment is reduced. And that's just a fact. So I don't understand why you wouldn't want to make the exercise execution better and therefore receive more return on your investment. So I am a stickler for good form, uh, moving weight correctly, moving weight with muscles that you want to be using when you're performing exercise. There's, There's no merit to me in you know shrugging a barbell row or performing a deadlift with a you know from an awful start point there's no merit i think we're talking about that from an investment point of view one of the ways to look at that is risk to reward ratio and the yep. risk of injury is fucking sky high when you're form shoddy and you're using too much weight as yeah. anyone as anyone will have seen from any recent incline bench press videos from dubai recently from the last yes time. that one went viral yeah, so yeah, but there's... Seen, head, head over to my YouTube channel and watch that video. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, just be prepared to hide behind the sofa a bit. Pretty grim. Yeah, um, there is... I mean, obviously, we've talked about that. There is very little return on that investment. So for me, that's not worth worthwhile time spent. You know, you're much better off. And if that means, if you don't know what you're doing in any endeavour, you seek out help. And... It makes every sense to me for people to seek out a trainer, a trainer who knows what they're doing, to streamline the process for them, to make them, to help them lift better, more correctly, more accurately, 
and you'll, you'll get more from it. It's a no-brainer for me. One of the things I try and explain to people is like, think about this. How about instead of working harder, how about what you work exactly the same amount of intensity and effort, yet you get way more results? How does that sound? Good. Right. All right, why don't you try this? Like, yeah. and, that, and that's literally it. It's like the analogy of trying to find a lazy person to do a job is very, very good because you want, they'll find the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. yeah. And that's very much the way I try and think about a lot of things in life. I think um, from a training aspect, I think that's the big, uh, it's the canary in the coal mine. A lot of people don't want to deal with because, oh, this has worked for me so far and I've done X, Y, Z. It's like, okay, that might work so far. However, like, could you be a lot better than you are now if you did it better? Yeah. Yeah, and that's all about streamlining the process. I think that ties in a lot with cardiovascular, in inverted commas, work. Uh, recently, obviously, with the pandemic, people haven't had access to gyms, and then suddenly you found people skipping steps. So I'm a big advocate of walking, and I'll get the majority of my clients will be set a step goal, and I'll have them walk, I'll have them move. With the pandemic, you had a lot of people suddenly going from being very sedentary to suddenly performing sets of burpees, jumping jacks, you know, plyometric type movements. That will work, but it will only work up to a point until your knees explode and then you're in a real pickle. So again, it's just about being more efficient. Efficiency is a word I use a lot with clients. I go, let's be more efficient and it will benefit in the long run. I think one of the things you talk about as well from it is just from a time efficiency point of view, because you can actually end up doing eight to 10 sets in a workout and getting a hell of a lot out of it instead of doing 25 that are shit. And then you can save yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. So effective, I talk about effective reps. I can't remember who originally coined that phrase, but I like it. You know, effective sets, effective reps, st stimulate and then move on. Uh, something I see a lot out here. I live in Portugal for anyone who doesn't know. There, there is a real tendency here for guys to perform, for example, like 10 different exercises for chest. I do two, you know, and by the time I've done chest and arms and shoulders, they're still training chest. And that will work up to a point, but it stopped working for most of them about 10 years ago, and they're still doing the same thing over and over. But they're but also yeah, very but hard. Yeah, but yeah, they'll tell you it still works. Yeah. And they're very hard-headed, and it's not limited to Portugal, obviously. Um, that's just my current experience. But, yeah, they'll, they're just so set in their ways. And I think we all get set in our ways, but it's really important that we remain open-minded. And, you know, I've, I've changed a lot of my practices and beliefs over the years, over 15 years in the industry, and that will continue to evolve. And I think anybody who's not ready and willing to evolve will get left behind. 100%. I think there's a lot of people in the fitness industry, a lot of people generally in life who are very narrow-minded and I think there's only one way to mm -hmm. skin a cat and I think it's one of those things there's a thousand different ways to get lean and there's also a thousand different ways to train but it's trying to find the as we said earlier, the most efficient route from you from where you are now to where you want to go and with the minimum amount of roadblocks in the way which is what we really try and map out for people. Yeah, and that's so my job as a coach, as a trainer is to try and find the best method for each individual. So for some people, uh, I've got, a, I just think of one example of a client who's a manual laborer. So he has to have carbs in his first meal, for example. He needs a big dose of fuel because his step count is 
20,000 plus daily, then he goes to the gym. So it's, it's identifying that particular individual's needs and then troubleshooting and tweaking things for him to make his setup optimal for him. And for everybody that is different and there are different ways of doing things. So if he did my shaking dark chocolate in the morning, he would be hungry an hour later. It doesn't work for him. So it's about streamlining and troubleshooting. 100%. I also think the, the other big thing we're talking about progress over perfection is that people want everything now and you have to have to understand everything is a process and progression is a process. So like you can't start out the gate expecting to do a hundred mile an hour with everything. You have to build up to that. It's the same mm-hmm. as like warming a car up. If you have a, uh, a sports car, for example, you're not going to redline it as soon as you turn it on because the engine is going to blow up. And the same thing is going to happen with people physically in terms of from a training perspective and also mentally. Like I think people often try to go well i know people always try and go too hard out the gate and that's ultimately mm-hmm. why they fail because they can't sustain it because it's not realistic yep you've got to work through the gears that's why i say to mine we work through the through the gears gradually in a sequence that there's you know that you're supposed to that's how you drive a car there's a reason for that and i i do the same with my guys when it comes to you know if they're on board for for 12 weeks or six months or a year we work through the gears, but we just work through the gears at different rates, depending on where they're at within their journey. That's a really good point. Cause that always, people always say to me, it's like, Oh, wh- 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 how many weeks until we move on to the next phase? It's like, I don't know. It depends. Who knows? Yeah. Like, when it's, when we need to, when, when you're ready, young Padawan, like it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's impossible. And it's one of those things with everything. There is so many variables in play in terms of what can happen because ultimately if you flip this, if you're a client, listen to this from a coach's perspective, you're de- we're dealing with human beings. So this is, they're not robots. So reality mm-hmm. is every single person psychologically is made up differently. Their ability to adhere to something and be accountable is going to be different f- from someone else's, which means they might not necessarily be as accurate or as consistent as they should be. So, and everyone is beautifully unique as they are in terms of metabolically, hormonally and stress levels and other stuff. So like, you could give two people who are exactly the same height, weight, age, body fat percentage, exactly the same program, diet, nutrition, everything. Just put them in the same gym, the same, the same training intensity. But mentally, their psychology is probably is going to be different, which is going to have a big effect. Yeah. I've got, um, so you say about, oh, when do we move on to the next phase? We move on to the next phase when the current phase looks like it might stop working soon. You know, if something's working really well, regardless of what phase or, or what level you think you're at, if something's working really well, don't change it. And that's something I'm I'm trying to instill in a lot of the guys that I work with. You, you are doing really well. Let's keep going. You know, people are always looking for the next thing, the next thing. But sometimes you just got to continue on the path that you're on for a little while longer, but then look out for the signs that will tell you when it's possibly trying to, to change direction. So sometimes just keep doing what you're doing is, is the answer. Yes, it's, and that's it's, not always an answer that people want to hear. Well, it's not what they want to hear. And it's that red shiny oh. object syndrome. So like the most progress I've ever made has one, I did 18 months of exactly the same training program as most progress I've ever made. And then again, the last six months, I've done exactly the same training program every two weeks, like te- technically every two weeks is like a two week rotation. It's most progress. Right, yeah. Most progress I've made. I've just started a new training block the last two weeks because I pretty much burnt myself out doing the same movements over and over again. It wasn't improving anymore. And that that's the point where like was I getting a little bit bored of it towards the end? 
maybe like I could tell you off the head exactly what I would what I need to do without even having to look. That's when you know you've been doing a training program for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like eight workouts off the top of your head, but every single set and rep and like exact order. But yeah. like that's really where you want to be getting to is like getting like a master at those movements because this is what people don't understand is that if you keep chopping and changing exercises, you're never going to be able to perform those exercises optimally because what happens every time you go into a new exercise, you're essentially learning that movement pattern. Your body's learning that movement pattern. So you're not actually as efficient as you could be at that. Now, after you've done that, I think five, six times, it depends how often, but like different for different people, you get better at that movement and then you're going to get more output from it and you'll get more results. And I think that's something I see as a huge uh, issue that people don't necessarily think about. I think is, and I say to clients all the time, it's like, think about how you can be better at every exercise get more out of it and then we'll just maximize this for as long as possible and then yep. your results results will just explode from there yeah and so one of the biggest things that i i implement with my clients i think it's an amazing thing to do with them is i i really really hammer home please send me videos oh, please let me see let me see don't tell me how much weight you did on the leg press because i'm, I'm not impressed like sorry i'm not impressed until i see it and then if, you, if I see it and it's deep and it's 17 reps, okay, then maybe I'll be impressed and I'll give you a pat on the back. But telling me what you've done means nothing without letting me see it because invariably I'll be able to tweak it and make it better, like almost without fail. And I think it's an interesting thing. People need to – I think it. I've had a bit of a different thought process about this recently, but I think it's very important to have an ego because I think an ego pushes you. However – you have to be aware of your ego when it comes to weight training because for example, I just said I started a new training block at the moment. I've got deadlifts in and I'm trying to do like third or fourth exercise, uh, 10 reps on a deadlift. So I was like, okay. And I'm trying to do it very like slow and negatives and controlled, not just launching the weight. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and play this sensibly and try and just get back into this movement pattern rather than just loading it as heavy as I can and see what happens. So, and I think I did like four plates for like 10 reps the first set. And I was like, I did see that. Yeah. It felt very awkward. And the first set I actually recorded was a bit shit and it wasn't good. And then I recorded this, I forgot to record the second one. And the second one was way easier instantly because I just like got into the movement pattern. Yeah. And then it's one of those things as a repeated bout effect. However, if I'd gone in there and I could have put five plates on there and done 10, 10 reps and just blasted it through. But, I wouldn't actually have had the technique nailed down and I wouldn't really be setting a solid foundation to progress from, which is what I think people mm -hmm. when it comes to training need to think about is that you want to get a standardized level of form, which is optimal and then look to progress from there rather than let's just put as much weight on whatever is exercises and, and just move it from A to B. Yeah. That's where I think reps in reserve which is a, you know, a phrase that's doing the rounds at the minute, but I think it's really, really, really useful. And that's leaving some reps in the tank to enable you to perfect a movement. So if you redline a deadlift and take it to the limit, oh, I couldn't lift another one. Chances are the last few reps are sure. pretty awful. Well, like, like so leave one, some example. in the tank. That, yeah. that one, for example, I probably could have got another three or four if I wanted, if just to move it, or probably five if I wanted just to move it, but it's your back's going to start arching. And this is when, we talked about earlier, we talking about from an investing point of view, you're talking like risk to reward ratio. The reward ratio of doing five shit reps with quite a lot of weight, mm, probably not a reward. No. Risk ratio of an injury, this could be there. So is it worth doing? No. Is there an element no. of 
stimulating and be able to come back and train the next day. Like I trained again today, no, like feel great, no back issues. Then yeah, that's, that's the right decision to make. Yep. And that, you know, all comes down again to, and it's tied back into diet, sustainability and longevity. You know, I, I, I want to still do what I'm doing in another 20, maybe 25 years time. So if I redline everything, that won't happen. And I know, you know, maybe someone would say, oh, that's overly cautious. But that they're my goals. And therefore, that's, you know, I tailor everything to what I personally want to achieve. And if someone's dead set on deadlifting X amount of weight for low reps, okay, more power to them because that's their goal. If their goal is physique related, I'd be very mindful and try and pull them back and say, well, listen, buddy, doing fewer than, say, I don't know, six, seven, eight reps isn't going to get you to your goal. But if your goal is to move maximum weight, then okay, crack on. I would agree with you. I think anything under six is uh, you start asking for trouble a little bit. Yeah. I think yeah, so interesting. You, you talk about ego. I almost talk or think, maybe I don't really, haven't really uh, portrayed this to enough, but I actually think anti-ego. So I almost try and lift not all the time, but the lightest weight possible. Johnny with the pink dumbbells. Well, yeah, sometimes to achieve the objective, almost, almost maybe to prove a point that you don't have to be using maximum poundage all the time. And you can get, you know, I'm not suggesting that nobody should push progressively heavier weight. Yes, of course, that is a huge part of this equation. But, but sometimes my, my mindset is, how much can I get from as little as possible? And I try and milk that for as long as I can. And touch wood, it keeps me injury free and then able to train week after week after week after week. And those weeks add up. That's how I look at it. hundred percent. I would say if anyone is listening to this, that they constantly have injuries. This is probably why you need a coach and you need someone to try and work out why this is happening. Because yeah, the, one of the big red herrings I always see constantly is people moving through reps too quickly and that's the number like seconds using too much weight and combined with using too much weight is probably the number one risk of injuries people trying to use like a stretch reflex from the bottom of a squat um deadlift you're bouncing it bench presses like you name it like it's happening i saw a guy doing it the other day he looked like a crossfit guy not slagging on crossfit people but he looked like that sort of person yeah, yeah. He, he had like three plates. Well, he will tell you if he's a crossfitter. Yeah, I didn't speak to him, but um, yeah. I don't speak to crossfitters. No offense to crossfitters. But yeah. like he had three plates on there. The first part of the squat, like 30% of it was like normal speed. And then suddenly he just collapsed and sprang back up again. And I was like, what the fuck was that? I was like, my SI joints hurt just looking at it. I was like, just watching. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're like, yeah, and that, this is like a car crash happening. Yeah. I mean, that, that maybe has its place depending on that person's uh, individual goals but if it's anyone who I work with whose goals tend to be physique related wellness related you know, the last thing we want is injury so I'm always about getting the most out of the least so I do a lot of paused work so I have people pause their squats at the bottom pause you know eliminate that stretch reflex consciously eliminating it and you know some of my guys get it pretty quickly some it takes a little bit longer, but I always say, like, where's my pause? I'm still waiting for the pause because I'm trying to hammer home. Like, I want you to control this weight. Like, don't let the weight control you. You control it. So pause reps for me are, are huge. 
I think another great way to do that as well and have that effect of having to use less weight, like talking about the deadlifts before that I did uh, adductor and like lying hamstring curl and like hammered myself on that. So I'm pulling away strength from a lot of the muscles that are going to be activated during that movement. So they're yep. automatically going to have to like, you're putting a handbrake on terms of the amount of power output and weight you're going to be able to use anyway, but you're still yep. going to be hitting failure, which is very, very important. So I think for anyone who's a bit happy, go lucky with stuff, maybe throwing in some isolation work beforehand might be a way to try and slow yourself down a little bit. Yeah. hundred percent deadlifts for me. So I, I've, I perform several different variations and have clients perform different variations, whether that's with a, a hamstring emphasis or a bit more of an upper back emphasis. But regardless, if it's hamstring emphasis, there's always a hamstring curl prior. If it's upper back emphasis, there's always an upper back movement prior. So we'll never start with a deadlift for all the reasons that you've just laid out. So safety, activation, all that stuff. And there's a huge amount of value as well in terms of if you think about how the body works, we have two main hubs of stability. So in the upper body, we have the scapula and the shoulder blades, and in the lower body, we have the hips. Now, if you're doing hamstring curl first, what attaches to your hips, your hamstrings, which are going to stabilize your pelvis. So when you're doing a deadlift, it's going to help you have more of a stable platform. So mm -hmm. I think that's something people need to think about a lot of the time, which is why I'm doing hamstrings and adductors before training deadlifts, so my pelvis is much more set. Yeah, yeah. But yep. that, that that I would say is one of the big mistakes I think people really need. And there's nothing more of an ugly of an exercise to uh, what someone do as a deadlift with poor form. Like we've all seen the people doing like the backs like McDonald's arches. And again, yeah. I, I I just I, my I just don't know whether to say something. Sometimes I'm just I just just walk away. But it's uh, yeah, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as a as a fitness professional, I think it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one because you, you, your instinct, your human instinct, is like, oh, I could help this guy. I want to help this guy, and then you think well, he's got no idea who I am. So, and my my take is just keep still and try not to watch. But yeah, sometimes you can't help it. One other thing I wanted to talk to you before we wrap this up, Johnny, because I think one of the big mistakes I see from people is they. I like to have a very objective view on training. So like, what is it we're actually trying to achieve from this rather than just dicking around for and throwing stuff around. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of that can come down to training split. Now, one of the, I'm not a fan of body part splits and people doing arms and shoulders and all this other sort of crap. And like, again, I had another client who wanted to do six days a week training. He was like, and I was like, look, if you can train six days on the bounce, you're training like a pansy because there's no way that you really should be able to do more than three, in my opinion, until you're mm -hmm. starting to really break down. Like, what's your opinion on that? So I definitely err towards greater frequency of stimulation of each individual body part or, or muscle group. So yeah, if you, if you rewind 15, 20 years where the standard was chest on a Monday, back on a Tuesday, legs on a Wednesday, et cetera, I just think those days for 90% of the, of the population are, are, should, be, should be over. I believe in more frequent stimulation, so potentially lower volume for each muscle group per session, but then repeating that movement again later on in the week perhaps even a third time, which also ties back in actually quite nicely with what you talked about in terms of mastering exercises. So if you're 
I, I say to my, my clients, if you wanted to get good at golf, you'd play golf regularly. You know, you wouldn't play once a week. You'd try and play every other day, maybe for an hour, maybe for half an hour. So when it comes to technical movements in the gym, whether that's a deadlift variation or a squat, squat pattern movement, frequency will improve you quicker than higher volume less frequently. So I'll have guys group together more muscle groups per session and then slightly lower volume, slightly greater frequency. Yeah, I, And I, I think, think, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I think that's the key, really. It's that the, the basic way that I try and break it down to people is like, if you can train a muscle two, three times in a week, so you can break it down, repair it, break it down, repair it, versus once a week, well, there's 52 weeks in a year. So if you train a body part once a week, you can get that opportunity to grow and rebuild it 52 times. If you train it twice a week, you can get 104 opportunities. Yep. Which one do you think is going to get the most progress? Yeah, no brainer. So that's very much the simple math that I would put behind it. I'm like, yeah. I'm a big believer in data doesn't lie with these things. It tends to leave a lot of success. The only thing that I think that scuppers this sometimes is that your genetic anomalies walking around the planet who just can look at a dumbbell and look at a chicken breast and then their biceps grow three inches. They can do whatever they like. Now, if that's you and this works for you, then cool. If it's not you, then I would suggest you probably listen to myself and Johnny. Yep, exactly. The, those guys, they're like the, the bane of a trainer's life because the person that you're trying to encourage to do something different is, oh, yeah, but this guy, that's what he does. And he's on that, ten, you know, yeah, okay. But he's also a, a phenom. You know, there are, there are outliers that exist who, who break all the rules, but you mustn't take advice from those people. They are, yeah, they are just the elite. They can do what they like, like you say. 100%. Um, we'll wrap that up there, Johnny. So thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate that. So, Johnny's one of part of our elite uh, team of coaches here at CJ Coaching. So if anyone needs any help with their fitness journey and looking to shred body fat, build muscle, just improve their overall health, feel free to hit the link below the podcast. So you can book in your free strategy call or drop me a DM on Instagram with the word change. Make sure you head over and follow Johnny on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Johnny Irons, all one word. Very easy peasy. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and we'll see you next episode.